0: and welcome to land parties episode 52 from the las vegas review journal brought to you by bet online i am your host ryan smith and with me as always my co-host and good friend lucas Egan. lucas how are you my friend how was your weekend
1: I am doing well. My weekend was pretty relaxing, pretty boring, which given all the craziness in the world still going on was kind of a good thing. I kind of tried to unplug as much as I could and just spent some time with my girlfriend and family. How about yourself, Ryan? How was your weekend?
0: it was it was good number one I beat uh watchdog legions go me uh <laughs> at least the main storyline so there's still there's still other things that I have uh left to do but I at least feel like all right I got through the main storyline I can move on to something else so spider-man I'm getting back into it I'm gonna go heavy and hard uh and hopefully get through that and morales and uh you know so that 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 is uh it always feels good to beat a game and then of course I took uh, uh my dad had got me a drone for Christmas so we took it out to the park uh, here the other day and had some fun with that so I I got no complaints on my end got outside a little bit it felt good to be in the real world put on some real pants it was fantastic Uh, please please uh, by all means Lucas please introduce our guests
1: we are extremely excited to welcome our guest this week. You know him as the editor-in-chief at Game Informer. Andrew Reiner is joining us today. Andrew, thank you so much. How are you doing, my friend? That is a loaded question these days.
2: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Let's see, I, I have a pulse. Uh, that's that's about all I can say right now. Uh, I'm doing okay. Yeah, all things considered. I'm, I'm hanging in there. And uh, yeah, we're just trying to piece together, you know, 2021 for video games and... You know, it sounds like it's
1: there. or it looks like it's going to be an exciting year. You know, Andrew, Game Informer has has been one of those organizations that, that I grew up on. Right. And whether it was, you know, it was it was in there in my formative gaming years. So I'm interested. Talk to us a little bit about your journey to Game Informer. And I'm, I'm also curious, how have you seen gaming journalism evolve through the years as you've kind of been on your journey? Uh, this is going to be a long answer.
2: <laughs> so, uh, you know, when I started. Game, Game Informer in 1995 uh, boy yeah it's been it's been a long time uh, that I've been there you know 20 plus years and every you know every day you know just just a quick aside, I'm excited I wake up in the morning and I'm excited about uh, the day ahead and you just never know what's gonna happen what's going to be announced, what you might be playing, what you might be writing about. Uh, I have not uh, taken this job for granted at all. And it's what I was passionate about as a kid you know it all started with me sitting in my bedroom playing, every game i could get my hands on on super nintendo and genesis you know i started with atari 2600 and the arcades you know i'm old enough for those days and then uh really you know had my my world upended by the nes and nintendo power you know that magazine and i really wanted to become a part of that right like i just thought these people had the coolest job in the world (laughs) So I ended up uh, stumbling upon a store. I was my parents sent me to go to a uh, a paint store called Sherman Williams. I don't know if you you guys are familiar <laughs> with that. Yep. Uh but I was to go there and right next door was something called Funko Land. No idea what this was. But I was like that's that's a weird name. I'm just going to poke my head in and I opened the door and it's wall to wall video games. This is my first time going in there. And I was just like, I'm not going to the paint store right now. I'm going to check this (laughs) out, right? You know, and I'm 16 years old or something like that. And it it was just eye-opening. I couldn't believe it. You know, I used to shop video games at like Toys R Us or Sears or something like that. And just seeing this dedicated store to my favorite thing in the world, that right there put me on my way. On that first day, I was in the store. I met someone named Paul Anderson, who sadly paid, uh, passed away from ALS, boy, about 10 years ago now. Uh, he was working the counter and he's like, he was excited. I walked in the door. I was the first customer that came in and he's like, look, I'm in this magazine. And he had the Bubsy edition of Game Informer. I can't remember what issue that was. Yes. But he opened it up and pointed to his reviews. And we just started talking about games. And he's like, whoa, you really know your stuff you should come work at um, at game informer. And I was just like, well, you know, that sounds like the best thing ever. Obviously you don't think that could ever happen. Well, all of a sudden I became a fly in the wall in that store. I just kept going, you know, like, Hey, is Paul working today? <laughs> you know, like um, <laughs> I wanted to become a part of that. And I did, I became a, that, a part of that scene. I got to know Andy McNamara who used to be the editor in chief, who's now uh, you know, working PR and communications at electronic arts. And they just kind of brought me into the fold. And they're like, we're going to expand the operation. And once that happens, you got to apply. Like, we think you could get the job. Uh, so I ended up doing that. And, you know, that that was my journey. I was in college. You know, I'm, what, four credits shy of getting my degree. And, you know, I'm never going back. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> why. <laughs> I always, You know, you think about that, though. You know, you're like, should I just take the night classes? Should I do it? And, and your friends were always like, you're fine, dude, <laughs> you'll be fine, <laughs> but don't worry about it. Uh, so, you know, I got started, you know, not at the inception of game journalism to go to your second part of the question, but kind of at the tail end of the beginning, right? Like we were still, uh, you know, I was Reiner, the raging gamer and I was, you know, kind of a Beavis and Budhead, Ren and Stimpy type of personality, right? Like in the the nineties and there was EGM had like a ninja reviewing games and game pro. Everybody was a cartoon character, so, gaming journalism has come a long way. We have real people writing now. <laughs> First and foremost, that that's that's a big change. But uh, you know, we we grew up and became better better writers and better journalists and have a better eye for um you know what's right and wrong in, in games and in the world. And I think uh, we grew the entire industry of gaming journalism kind of grew up like children almost, right? Like I was there at the the inception of it, and not the inception, but the very tail end of that, and just kind of went along with it. And today I think we're right there. You know, we were held in high accord with like the Washington post, New York times, you know, they have editorials, they have their own gaming divisions. And I think we made it, you know, like we were just kind of this kid's medium, you know, playing games in your parents' basement. That's what people thought of it. And, you know, thought of it as just like a boys kind of thing, but that's not it. Everybody's playing games, whether you're on phone or or console or PC, Uh, it doesn't matter who you are or how old you are, you, you can enjoy games. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's been an
1: awesome journey to be a part of
2: for sure. And like I said, that was gonna be a long answer and there you go.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, it was super, super interesting. I love that. You know, as you've seen other organizations like the New York times, like the Washington post kind of make these gaming divisions, how has that affected the way you guys have approached things Or, or did that force game informer to kind of change their approach in any way? You know, I think it goes back to, like, Next Generation
2: Magazine. Do you guys remember that? I do. Um, where they kind of came along and they put Bill Gates on their cover once and you're like, whoa, there's a real person on the cover and they're talking to developers and, and this is crazy. You know, you got some of that insight before, but it was more like, we had a cheat code section, a Game Genie section, you know, uh, previews, reviews, you know, that Beavis and Butthead attitude and, uh, you know, mascots on the cover, you know, fuzzy creatures and Mario and all that stuff and no, along came this magazine and, you know, they were professional writers and, you know, we're like, oh, maybe we should get a, what is this thing called? A copy editor and uh, <laughs> see see what happens. But no, we learned as as we went along, we really uh, paid attention. And I think the, to, to your question, the New York Times and Washington Post, I think, took a realistic look at games. It wasn't just a kids medium anymore. It was for everyone. And we had to to start writing that way, too.
0: It's crazy to think that. I mean, because, yeah, that's when I grew up, you know, I I was talking about I just digitized VHS from uh, 1989 Christmas when I got my uh, Nintendo. And I was like, oh, like like the memory just came flooding back. Um, You know, it's crazy to think how much I guess video games and gaming in general has grown and matured. Uh, especially with this last year, what kind of challenges have you guys run into and going into this year? You know, what kind of, cause you know, we, we've been talking about, this also brought on a lot of innovation from people as well. Uh, can you talk to us a little bit about that?
2: Yeah. So I, I'll go back to the day we decided we weren't going to be in the office anymore. Uh, we used to, we're, you know, we're a dinosaur in in journalism. You know, we're largely a print outlet, right? So we have this fossilized footprint that we were still tracking around the the globe, you know, like making print magazines and the website and video as well. But we used to, we would proof our pages. We'd copy edit our pages. We'd do uh, three runs. We would do a black and white, which comes out and we have four people, three to four people read that and copy edit it for the writer. And then we do a color run where we see the colorized version with all the screenshots and art and the, the full layout. We copy edit that again. We have different people copy edit that the, fi- the writer takes a look at it as the, the final pass and then it goes into a final check mode where the production team, our art team, checks the layout and all that stuff, the letting and all that. We were like, well, how are we going to do this digitally if we're all apart? So we had uh, Curtis Fung, a brilliant programmer at Game Informer, decided to just on a whim make a digital editing program and got it up and running basically as we were scrambling to get out the doors to shelter in place. And he made this, this incredible technology and we use it every day. And, you know, we one of my proudest moments at Game Informer is not missing an issue, not having uh, any uh, delays in, in releasing our product. We got the magazines out uh, monthly, uh, digitally and in online, and we can fully work anywhere in the world. You know, we're, we're we're mobile now, which is which is crazy. And, you know, we just hired new people and, you know, they're not going to be coming to Minnesota. We don't we don't need them to.
1: You know, it's been really cool to see Game Informer stick around. There's so many of the publications I used to love growing up that are either drastically changed or or just gone, unfortunately. What has been the key to Game Informer reinventing itself, adapting to the times and providing that essential coverage that readers and viewers and listeners uh, come back to you guys time and time again for?
2: I think the key to our success has been we've always been lean and mean you know we've been a smaller team compared to the igns and GameSpots and egms we've been in minnesota which is you know um a weird place for for a game company to be but it's the cost of living is a lot cheaper right so i think just for our business you know we've we've been um uh, able to to keep our heads above water where a lot of people just sunk you know egm used to be in chicago and they moved to ziff davis or whatever over to san francisco and we were just like whoa those offices are going to be expensive. Right. So I think that's part of the secret of the success. And then just adapting, you know, everybody wears a bunch of hats. Uh, I always wear this one everywhere I go, but you know, we all do everything, you know, video, copy editing, uh, online stuff, cover stories, you know, you name it, we're, we're involved in it. And, uh, I think we're all jacks of you know, all trades and I think that's effective and, you know, we don't have just one person dedicated to one thing. Everybody's all over the place.
1: Do you have a couple storylines that that you guys as a staff, are most looking forward to seeing how it plays out this year? Uh, I think all eyes are on next gen, right?
2: Like, I really want to see uh, what kind of staying power these machines have. You know, systems always sell out at launch and people keep saying, you know, consoles dead, consoles dead. Everything's going to go to streaming. But boy, it, it feels like the 90s again right now. You know, just this there's there's just this fervor for these machines. And look at Nintendo like Switch years later, still selling out and you can't get that mm-hmm. thing, you know, like that's just awesome. So uh, I want to see if, if it does have staying power, if the numbers are going to keep going up and if the console business is going to be around forever, it's my favorite, nothing against PC gaming or anything like that. I just, uh, <laughs> I, I love, you know, I've I'm born and bred on these consoles and, and, and I just don't want them to go away. So that's, that's one big storyline. I think, uh, um, you know, obviously it's, it's going to play out this year. We're, we're going to see how it goes. And then it's just how developers are handling the the pandemic and making games from afar. A lot of them are still, you know, working from home. You know, what's that, what is 2021 going to look like? Will that affect that first storyline, right? Like, uh, are these machines just going to not have any software for them uh, for, for months and months and months? You know, you look at the release calendar now, you got... Hitman coming out in a couple of weeks. And then it's like, what's the next game? And it's like, uh, right. (laughs) And you see a lot of publishers, like, we think between February and June, maybe. (laughs) Like, (laughs) okay.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It brings me back to the Wii U, and I know the Wii U had a, a myriad of problems leading up to launch uh, with confusion about whether it was a true system or whatnot, but it, its biggest death knell was that lack of, of content, right? They'd have great first-party games, but nothing in between those. So how, do you have a sense, like a gut feeling of, of like how long gamers will give a system before they start to, to give up on it if that content isn't there to keep them coming back? I, I was thinking about this the other day, how all my friends bought
2: Xbox Series X, because that's where we play Overwatch, right? We play Overwatch on Xbox, and until they have cross-progress between know. that game, they, they're they grandfathered in on that system, right? So, uh, you know, that those walls are coming down now. You know, we're starting to see, you know, Rocket Leagues and stuff like that have Play Anywhere what have you. Uh, But that's one part of that. The other one to your your question about software is as long as you get those big hits, you know, Nintendo with switch, you know, Zelda and Mario, if you keep giving those games every couple of years, or even a hint of those people are going to be around. I think Sony's in that camp now with their big, massive single player experiences, God of war, ghost, last of us, uncharted, all that stuff. People are in there. Microsoft, you know, they bought all those studios, you know, to make first-party software, but what do you got? You got Halo, Gears of War, and then studios hopefully making new IP, right? Like, they, they don't have that pulse like those other two. They have a lot of games, but none of those, like, real big juggernauts where you're like, what's the next entry? You know, like, right. you have a a few of those games, right? I don't think State of Decay is quite in that that uh, that conversation yet. You know, like, they keep trying. But we'll see. Now that they have Bethesda and all that stuff, could be a big difference. Yeah, I agree.
0: Yeah, well, it's crazy to me, too, because I know that there's such a high demand, but it's like, you know, I I had one day one uh, PS5, but it's like I really haven't played it much. There really isn't any... Games, I'm just like, oh, I have to have this to play this right now. So I feel like there's a lot of people and the, the, the demand is really high, but there's not really a lot out there yet. Like 2021 into 2022 is going to re- where we'll really start. Well, really more 2022, 2023, where developers are able to really start, you know, maxing out what the uh, uh, the consoles can do and stuff like that. Start developing around that, being able to focus on that stuff. I think that's when we're really going to start getting all those titles and whatnot. It's been nice. But, I mean, you got to think, too, like PlayStation Plus, like they just dropped Maneater here the other day. And, you know, there hasn't been really anything for like a couple months now, uh, you know, since launch and whatnot. So it's like, you know, my biggest thing is like, look, we got to, you know, we got to let it breathe a little bit. It's going to there's that breathing room a little bit. Um, but I mean, I'm excited to see what, what really, you know, is going to come be coming out this year. Uh, what, what about you as far as like things, I know you said console wise, something that's really been intriguing me has been the cloud gaming. Um, I have Amazon Luna and I've, I've, I, that's what I beat, um, uh, uh, watchdogs on was, uh, Amazon Luna. And I'm really enjoying the experience, being able to have it on my fire TV, sitting in bed, you know, just chilling out and
2: whatnot. What are your thoughts on uh, cloud gaming? I want to see the proof of it working with, you know, latency <laughs> and and wherever I'm at. And, you know, I, I just have the conveniences here of of being able to play wherever I want in my house and and. That's where I do most of my gaming. And if I'm on the go, I'm, I'm playing Clash Royale on my phone or Pokemon Go. I'm addicted to those two games. I think that's the right word for it, addicted. I've played them every day for years. Uh, I mean, seriously, like it's it's out of control. Um, but yeah, I, I I don't have that that Twitch yet or that, that inkling to play these games, you know, anywhere else. And right now I'm not going anywhere else, right? I'm intrigued by it. You know, I really want it to work. I love the idea of being able to throw my game over to my phone know have my controller and a little clamp uh i have one here um to have my phone on a controller and just play it in bed you know like you know yeah. without turning on the tv or you know you know where else we look at our phones you know play it there <laughs> uh you know just just uh yeah those those conveniences you know anywhere you can expand gaming fantastic but i just want it to be i don't want it to feel different i don't want the movement to feel different or like i'm in molasses or uh it's not as twitchy as it needs to be you know like that that worries me and you know when they showed stadia at CES i think it was CES where they had doom running on it and i was like why did they pick doom as the first game <laughs> you know like, all the initial reports were like yeah man latency it doesn't feel right and you're like what are they doing yeah. <laughs> Show like a Lego game on there or something. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I feel like they definitely were premature about that. I would say if you if you are interested, so far the best experience that I've had has been with uh, Amazon Luna. uh okay. it's been it's been pretty solid.
2: Yeah, and I've heard games like Assassin's Creed or something like Watch Dogs. You know those those play pretty yeah. well. But you know when you get into those Twitch shooters or fighting games stuff like that, uh, you know you're you're at the mercy of of latency and how your network is and all that stuff.
1: You know, one thing that that I always love to ask people, and and I think for for games journalism, it's a little bit weirder because there's not those defined paths yet just because we're seeing games journalism emerging more. But what advice would you give to that person that wants to get into this space on what steps they can be taking to kind of work toward uh, getting to the game and formers of the world?
2: yeah and i should i should have said this earlier don't take my example of getting in as <laughs> as normal
1: because like seriously
2: like i was a terrible writer when i started at game informer you know probably for the first 10 to 15 years of my career there i was learning how to write right on the fly mm-hmm. and I, you still you know i am learning and i know that's something any writer says like you're, you're always learning but for me it was there was a lot of learning going on early on like oh that's not a sentence at all (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, or yeah, that's terrible. What I just wrote. Uh, So, you know, my emails, if, if I was that, if I was young Reiner today and I sent with my writing skills at the time, a letter to get a job at game informer, they wouldn't even open it past, you know, the, the opening sentences of my email of introducing myself. Uh, So go to school, learn how to write, do writing in your free time. You know, you're, you're just going to learn through experience, find, you know, people online, maybe start a site with your friends and, and do it for free. Even if nobody views it, you know, just, just get, get those licks in and, and learn how to, uh, how to do it. Learn the trade and read as much as you can. And then also a big one, social media, introduce yourself to other, other writers, become a part of those circles. If you have interesting things to say, they'll latch on. I do, you know, half of my followers, if not more than that are, are people that are not are not professional um, writers or or people in making games? They're people I th- I find interesting in in the gaming space, and I like following. Perfect.
1: Yeah, that sounds great. And, and I know that it's it's daunting at first for people, right? Especially when they don't know the path forward to to even get that start. And so I think that is. Absolutely fantastic advice. That's kind of how I got started here with the read journals. I kind of backdoored my way in and and before they knew it, we were doing this and and I'm reading articles <laughs> and and now it's too late for them to tell me no. So
2: <laughs> Yeah. And there, you know, there are people online just through tweets that I've read or opinions that they have. I don't know what kind of schooling they have, but I would hire them, right? Like I just know they're they're brilliant writers and they're insight and they're quick and, and witty and you know, you don't necessarily need schooling, you, but you do need to prove yourself in some way, right? Like, uh, so getting getting your writing out there, getting your social posts out there uh, is key. You also, uh,
0: you're a co-host on a podcast, right? Tell us a little bit about that. Oh,
2: uh, radio show, yeah, uh, Video okay. Games Weekly on KFan, uh, which is iHeartMedia. Media. It's every third or every Tuesday at uh, seven PM. And it's weird because it's on a sports station. That's where the Minnesota Vikings and Minnesota Wild have their games. So we'll every once in a while we'll get bumped for the Wild on th- on Tuesdays. But yeah, they they just like our program, and and their their viewers enjoy the the insight into games. So yeah, every Tuesday, uh, you can find us on iHeartRadio apps. Nice, awesome.
0: Uh, tell us so uh, a little bit. Um, what as far as going into this year. What would you say has got you most
2: excited in terms of games coming out or yeah,
0: just kind of like, yeah, well, anything not necessarily doesn't just have to be. Well, all right. How about this? (laughs) How about game and just like um, moving forward as far as like software or tech or something like that?
2: The game I'm most excited for is I've already played it. It's Overwatch 2 and I brought up, you know, I'm wearing an Overwatch shirt. You played it? Yeah, so Overwatch, I mean, I played a map and I played a single player, one of the story missions, right? And that was two years ago. What was that 2019? Yeah, yeah 2019 yeah. when they announced it, we got to play it. And boy, that was nerve wracking. Here's a little story for you. We did the cover story for it for Game Informer and I got to write it. And I'm super excited because I got to meet Jeff Kaplan and the team in Blizzard's yeah. office. They're like, okay, now you're going to get to play it. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> like, okay, you know, and I'm good. I'm a good Moira and I'm a good Farah. Uh, and I'm like, okay, we'll get to play. And they're like, okay, we're going to play on PC. And I was like, oh no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> it's like, I've never played Overwatch on PC. Mm-hmm. I've only played on, on Xbox, you know? So right there, I'm like, the creators of the game, my favorite game right now are going to be standing behind me and they literally were standing behind me, you know, like four of them, like, you know, like judging me, you know, I can see their shadows over me and it's just like, Oh God, this is going to be embarrassing. And it, it was the first round. I was like, I don't, I don't, you know, we made a joke of it, but after a couple of matches, I, I did okay, but I wish we would have played on, on Xbox. That's, that's like I said, where my, 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 my friends play.
0: I love that. Then, what was the I second love... part of your question? I'm sorry oh uh and then the second part was uh was uh as far as like software or hardware is there something that that you're kind of looking forward to this year
2: uh this is a prediction nintendo's been pretty quiet i don't know if that's just mm-hmm. because of the pandemic has upended their operations and they're just kind of waiting for releasing more switch stuff or if they are going to release new hardware i think it feels like it's about time and usually when companies get a l- quiet there's something going on right so i wonder if if we're approaching um, an announcement of like a high-end switch that would be
1: cool see it, see we've said this before it, it was it was my prediction this year in our new year's episode that it was going to be breath of the wild 2 launching a switch pro or, or whatever they end up calling it and i'm hoping that's true
2: yeah, you know awesome. it's not going to be called Switch Pro. It's going to be some yo, weird thing, and you'll be like, "What? Is, what?" And then <laughs> next Nintendo, day baby. you're like, "It's brilliant." <laughs> <laughs> That's what
0: we all say. It's like Nintendo just kind of they they do their own thing. Like don't there's you yeah. know what I mean? Like they they know what they need to do and they do it. So, yo Andrew, again, thank you so much uh, for taking the time and joining us. Uh, where, where can we find you on the interwebs? What projects you have coming up? Talk to us.
2: Uh, You can find me at GameInformer.com in, you know, print uh, Game Informer magazine, Twitter, Andrew underscore Reiner. I I say a bunch of dumb stuff there. And then, uh, you know, I'm also in a band called the Rapture Twins with uh, uh, Justin Pierre of Motion City Soundtrack. It's just him and I making music. And then I also have a couple novels coming out with uh, former Minnesota Viking Chris Cluey, we have a noir novel we just finished a couple days ago oh. that uh, we are uh, 1930s Chicago noir uh, that's going to be coming uh, hopefully in the next year, year and a half. It takes a while to, to get through editing and all that stuff. But yeah, we finished our first pass and, you know, we toasted that. So 2021's off to, uh, well, like I said, an interesting start, but there's some good that came from it already for us
0: absolutely that is awesome we will look forward to all that stuff again thank you so much for joining us guys let's take a quick break and we'll be right back hey everyone i want to tell you about blue wire hustle a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at blue wire hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level or if you want to host the podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with BlueWire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is... You can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So, whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle's an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so, get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com slash join. Check out the description box for this episode to find out more. But that's bwhustle.com slash join.
1: Welcome back, everybody. Thanks for listening to that short message. Thank you again to Andrew. Uh, it's super interesting. It's very rare that you see somebody stick with an organ- organization like that for that long. And that's, that's pretty cool to see.
0: He's an OG game informer. I mean, since, since we were kids, we've been reading game informer and he's been there for, for quite some of that time. So just to be able to see, you know, gaming in general, you know, be able to see it from his perspective and how much it's changed had to have been a a lot of fun and being like right in the middle of that had to have been a lot of fun. So Uh, Thank you again, Andrew, for being on. Switching gears, though, let's switch to some video games. We've got some uh, breaking news.
1: (laughs) Yeah, we've, we've got a possible release date for, I think, what should be. High on everybody's most anticipated list, Uh, an IGN story said that Mass Effect Legendary Edition could be coming on March 12th, which is very close, Uh, a lot sooner than I would have expected. Uh, But I'm excited, and Ryan, that means you could dive into all three Mass Effect games very soon.
0: Here's the thing, though. Didn't I just recently buy this game on PC? All three of them? <laughs> I can't. I, it's so bad. I don't even really remember. Um, now, this puts me, you know, this is quite the the conundrum for me. Do I get this? Or if I do have it, do I just go ahead and, you know what I mean, get it on, on console? And, and, you know, that's that. I would love that. I mean, that's right around the corner. That's only a couple months away. I've got time. play it and maybe you know then i get it uh get this but we'll see the the with this as far as with this leak date again nothing has been confirmed as far as with this date so we'll see if this is is going to be a legit thing but would you are you going to end up picking it up or what
1: I am. You know, th- this is a a trilogy that I took in bits and pieces. So I, I've never really played all three games in, in close proximity. So I'm kind of looking forward to that. Um, and I just the more I can wipe my memory of Andromeda, the better. So I am ready to dive <laughs> back into the original trilogy and just further forget that that other game existed.
0: Yeah, that, you know, and I know that there was, uh, rumors going around. Maybe this is kind of like that kickoff to where, you know, they kind of relaunch the franchise. They say, here, let's get it back into, into some people's hands. That game, that, that universe that people love so much. And then bam, look at us. We got a new game coming out. We'll see. That'd be great to see them be able to do this because I really have. I've heard nothing but good things, uh, other than, than Andromeda. I heard that was uh, not good. I don't know that I have that. I'll have to check to see if I if I actually do have that game or if if I'm just making things up and I thought I got it. <laughs> Regardless, though, it is on the list. It is on the list of of games to play. But I'm gonna bounce back over to PS5 because, like I was saying, I really haven't played it all that much. Uh, I, I mean, I have Cold War and then I have uh, Spider Man, so I'm gonna go back and play Spider Man. And uh, I might play some. Could I, I picked up Maneater. So just to get that true uh, PlayStation 5 experience, I just want to see how it runs and whatnot. And I heard that game was actually not bad. So uh, we'll see how that is. But, I mean, again, I, we see that that right now, especially with the PlayStation, I think on the Xbox side too, is that we we really don't have a lot of content that's out right now so we kind of got an updated um an updated list from Sony as far as some dates that will be dropping we've had uh, some some games are already getting delayed pushed back you see uh Kena Bridge of Spirits delayed out of uh 2020 to tw- uh to early 2021 down at the bottom you've got uh uh you know Ratchet and Clank Horizon Forbidden West, they were talking about that coming out. um, I believe it was uh, the second half of the the year. Yeah. Yeah. Second half of this year. Returnal, that's around the corner. I can't even think about what that game is. I don't remember hearing a lot about Returnal. So I need to go and look. But that's, you know, March 19th is not too far off. Pragmata got pushed back to 2023. That was originally slated for 2022, I believe. Solar Ash June 2021 so that'll be coming out this year. Uh Kina we already talked about that. Stray Ghostwire is uh coming out in October. Little Devils Inside this this year and then um January of next year project uh Athea. Athea?
1: Yeah, you know it's it's that seems like a pretty uh, good mix of games if, if they all hit the release dates. I think I think the two games that are most critical for Sony that that need to come out this year to kind of maximize this this success are Ratchet and Clank and Horizon. So Ratchet and Clank is is just right now saying tentatively the first half of this year. Horizon is the second half of the year. I think those two titles in particular are huge if they can hold on to those release dates especially Horizon. Uh it would sting a lot to lose Horizon in that holiday period to to make a holiday push for more consoles to be sold. So like those two titles stand out in my mind as as um hopefully we get those uh, hopefully we get all of them on time but those two especially.
0: Yeah, and then you have God of War which is scheduled for the second half of this year as well. So it'll be interesting to see how that time you know timed out if the things do stay on schedule, we'll see probably towards the middle of you know sometime during the summer we'll probably have a better idea as far as if developers are gonna be like, "Hey, it's probably not gonna happen, we're just gonna have to see where the world is uh this summer and and people will start making those decisions and choices. but I really hope you know i, I you know I want Ragnarok to come out I want uh you know to continue to explore uh uh, zero dawn, like that. I mean, those games are gorgeous, you know, to be able to really, I, I feel like those are going to be those, those games where you're going to really see some meat out of the uh, the next gen uh, out a ps5 so you know it's like I'm, I'm gassed up to be able to see that another title though i feel like this one uh you know i don't know something about it death loop i am ready I want death loop i believe that's supposed to come out in october I want to say or somewhere around there it might be 2022 but i'm pretty sure it was late um 2021 so something about that game seemed really interesting to me uh so that like for me that's the game that like I'm really like like ooh yeah I can't wait for that to come out. I mean obviously uh, uh God of War and and uh, Zero Dawn but um yeah other than that though it'll be like if they can stick to that schedule you know that's a that's a pretty solid lineup of, of games and you know i mean depending on when things release when they start hitting you know we'll will determine how big like if there's big lulls and and you know between one big game coming out and something else coming out or if they're spaced out you know again i, I think we'll start seeing more of that stuff kind of unfold as the months Go on, so it'll definitely be something that we'll have to keep an eye on. We'll definitely be visiting throughout the year, just keeping you guys informed as far as when these drops are supposed are supposed to be happening, and if they're getting delayed and stuff like that. So,
1: you know, and as I think about this, we of course we have seen Sony drop major exclusives the same year. We saw it last year with The Last of Us and Ghost of uh, Tsushima, but I would be surprised to see both Horizon and God of Warland this year. Like it seems like Same. one of those would be pushed to next year to kind of keep the PlayStation at the forefront of the conversation in like a different season. Like like it, if I were a betting man, I'd bet one of those hits right around Thanksgiving this year and the other one hits March, maybe February or March of the, of of 22.
0: I could see that. I I think that's a good call as far as with that it would be difficult but again it, i mean it's it's we'll see too as far as their their resources i mean they could have had divisions that were already you know working within the infrastructure of the ps5 so they're ahead of the game i, I feel like there was a lot of and I, I feel like this happens uh when there's a lot of the the generation crossover where one the developers just kind of have to say Yeah, I'm we're just going to kind of neglect this one because we're working in both both, you know, two different infrastructures and it's making things a little more difficult. So I feel like seeing these games, these games have had that luxury and pleasure of, of, you know, already hopefully working in those infrastructures. So, I mean, again, I want I want to see what these things can do. We talked about it, I think it was on the last episode, how they're not even using the M.2 slot or that stuff's not even activated. So even if you put in an M.2 uh, uh, hard drive in there, then it, it's still not going to work until they... But there's not really anything that can maximize those kinds of speeds for gaming right now, I guess.
1: Yeah, you know, it, it's this... This point forward is the fun part, right? As developers start to unlock the uh, the potential of these systems, and you start to see like like just jaw jaw dropping moments of you're like, oh, yep, this is next gen. Like this is this is the fun part, the discovery part. You kind of work through the kinks of the launch titles, and you start to get true next gen experiences. Yeah, this this is the exciting part.
0: Yeah, I feel like it is an exciting part, but you also have the impatience of the internet. So <laughs> people are so quick. they like, Bleh! it's like, I mean, it's like this happens every time. It's like there's nothing new about this. But you know, what are we gonna do? This is the, these are the times that we live in now. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, Lucas, what do you got going on this weekend? Any any big plans? Any any games that you're gonna be focusing on?
1: yeah so I uh <laughs> this is in honor of, of one of our guests uh, a couple weeks ago Cherubi. Uh since my girlfriend and I love Sword Art so much we actually picked up one of the Sword Art video games so we're going nice. to go through that and I'm not going to lie my girlfriend got me so many packs of Pokemon cards so I'm slowly yes. going through them and it is so much fun <laughs> what about yes, you Ryan right?
0: you, you, gotta, you gotta record it or something you got it. Give you- us a, uh, Yeah, give us an unboxing or an uh wrapping or something like that if i don't show up
1: next week everybody you know that i pulled like the insane (laughs) cards that are worth thousands of dollars
0: (laughs) yes absolutely dude um yeah myself i don't really have much plan like i said i'm gonna be focusing back on Spider-Man, I'll probably mess around a little bit with uh, uh, Man Eater. Obviously, I'll be on that Destiny grind. So that's really the plans. And maybe probably try to get out and do a little more flying with the drone. So it was fun to, to get outside and, and mess around with that and see what it can do. So see, that, that'll that be the the catalyst to get me getting outside more. So that's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> anyway thank you guys so much for joining us on this episode of land parties we appreciate you guys listening don't forget uh, tell your friends go hit us up on twitter at land party pods um, anywhere on the, the socials hit us up uh, uh, Lucas Egan uh, or smitty2447 on twitter as well and we hope you guys have a fantastic rest of your week and you know what it is We love your faces.